love turkey. I love presents. There's just nothing like it. Well, we really want to kind of turn our outreaches to, uh, into something that more reach, reaches excuse me, the needs of the city, uh, particularly um, the poor, uh, the widow, the orphan, and such. And so what we're going to do starting next Sunday, what we're hoping to do is start a closed drive. Okay, uh, and a closed drive is simply this, things that you're done with, things that you don't need anymore, we want you to donate them to us so that we can kind of stock the pantries of like the Salvation Army and the different women's ministries and uh, uh, services in the city. And so starting next Sunday, we are going to just bring, if you would, there's going to be a box right up there in the corner, right where Will's pointing, and you can just put your bags. Wait, I want to just say that, listen, it's cold, so don't bring shorts. Don't bring, you know, don't bring t-shirts. You, know, you bring t-shirts, but you know what I'm saying. Let's keep it weather kind of orientated where we're kind of meeting that. Because a lot of people, guys, stay out. There's a lot of people who will not go into shelters for many reasons. And so we want to just be able to uh, just kind of pour into that for the holiday uh, season. So the clothes drive. But then also we want to give. We want to be able to have special offerings uh, starting next Sunday to give to the Salvation Army and such, and so you'll hear more about that in the upcoming future here. Okay, um, so one more thing, volunteers. We are a portable church. Unfortunately, we have a lot of the same people serving us all the time, and they are getting tired, okay? Now, we have a huge crew that helps us when we depart. When we break down, we leave this place, there is not a shortage of people. Actually, you have to, like, find jobs and make up jobs to give people. Um, but we are kind of lacking um, in the beginning of service for setup. And we want to relieve um, some of the people who have been helping us since day one of moving into the Sheraton. They're not looking to, like, step down and not do it anymore. But, man, I would sure like it if Matthew Harlan didn't have to come every Sunday and do the same thing over and over. We are grateful for that. But we want more Matthew Harlans. Essentially, we want to be a church that serves and serves greatly. We're a portable church, so there's plenty of uh, opportunity to serve in those those, under those capacities. So um, set up and break down, but primarily we need help set up, with set up. So you can, all those who are interested, meet with me after service. I'm going to be by that table. You can talk to me, and I can give you some more details on that. But please, we need your help. Unfortunately, we do not have a permanent spot right now. Um, and so this is a lot of work. This stuff just doesn't happen by itself. I wish it did, um, but it doesn't. All right? How's everybody doing? Okay. Is everybody pretty clear? Okay, Steve has a question. The terrace. Well, you'll, you'll know we're here. It's right. You come into the foyer. It's right to your left. It's just another ballroom that is right over there, a little smaller, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's right to your left. Well, there will be plenty of signs and and people out there to greet you and, and, and show you uh, where we're, where we're going to be meeting. Okay, but same time, uh, just a different room. Amen? Okay, well, we have the privilege of having Noah Wells bring us the word today. Um, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, Noah and his family have served the house of prayer now in Hilltop for how long? It's been a while. Been a while, years, right? And so he's been a consistent voice into our community, um, definitely has uh, the heart of a pastor and a father. And so here at Hilltop, when we see a gift, we don't just kind of hide it under a rock so, and, and just you know, hope it goes away. We like to just push that gift <laughs> to the forefront and let it uh, you know, just be in our community. So Noah is one of these gifts that we have, and he's going to be bringing the word. Let's pray for Noah as he delivers the word, okay? Extend your hands. Father, we thank you uh, for our brother. And Lord, we now open our hearts to the word of God. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us. Lord, we ask, God, that you would show us through your word the truth of what you're saying in this hour, in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Such an incredible time of worship. If you're new, that is what we're blessed with so consistently in the house of prayer and over here at church on Sundays where God is just moving. It's so encouraging. 
stepping into this and so easy to come on the tail end of and, and speak. Uh, I am a little nervous today because I prepared for the last two weeks on a certain subject. And um, yesterday I went in to kind of just finalize some of the, uh, the notes and I felt like the Holy Spirit started leading me in a different direction. And I was just like, oh, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just crazy. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to be preaching, so we're going to preach on this. So I spent two hours literally with block. So I'm rebuking the devil. I'm doing everything I can think of to try to get some freedom in my mind to be able to get into what I had been feeling grace upon for the last couple of weeks. And um, so we didn't. We had an awesome time. Anybody there last night? Man, God is good. And, um, and um, this morning I came in a few hours early as well, came down thinking that it might just need to be slept off. And when I came in, it was the same deal. And I was just like, what the heck, God? You know, like at least a backup plan, you know, like something here. Uh, because I haven't given more than 20 minutes to this. But I believe that if it's in God's heart, there's grace for it, right? There's a need within us as His people to hear His Word. And we're in a day and age, I believe, in human history where we need to hear the heart of God more than any other thing. We're in the, the information age where literally one click of a button, we can go on the computer and you can get ten times the knowledge you'll ever receive from a pulpit. But I tell you, there's something that is in simplicity when it comes from God's heart that transforms and aligns and brings fruit for God's kingdom. And that's what we're believing for. I actually want to pray again. Let's just open our hands in a receiving posture. Father, we just say and declare to you, God, as a church, Lord, we, we need you. God, we're not satisfied with status quo Christianity, God. We're not satisfied with a message we'll hear 20 times in our lifetime, Lord. We want a word that comes from your heart, Jesus. God, we say we are desperate and hungry for a word that comes from heaven. God, that Lord, we would be a people found in a posture, in a position of dependency upon You. Not in our own abilities, not in our own agendas or our own strategies, but ones that are found in the secret place, God. Ones that are found in a place of saying, God, let Your will be done in the earth. In Jesus' name, Amen. During worship, I was getting excited. I started getting that picture Daniel chapter 7, he had an awesome window into the throne room of God. And I'm just going to read it. He said, I kept looking until thrones were set up. In the ancients of days, he took his seat and his vesture was white like snow and his hair on his head was pure like wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. I love what it says in the original language. Literally, Daniel didn't have a word for the number he was seeing. As far as he could see, in all directions, there was this throne that he's describing being set up. And God was sitting. God the Father. Daniel saw God the Father sitting on this throne. And as far as he could see, this is the picture of what right now, right now as we're standing here, is going on in heaven. Ten thousands upon ten thousands is... Literally, picture yourself on a mountain and, and looking as far as you can that way, as far as you can that way, as far as you can. And all you see is, is angels going to and fro ministering to the Father. This is the God we serve. Not the Sunday morning, fulfilled two hours, feel good about ourselves and get on with our week. God, this is the God we serve. The God who spoke and all creation came into being. Uh, you know, I think we need, in our own individual levels, one of the cries in my heart is to get past rhetoric, to get past Christianese. And sometimes it's unfortunate, it's limited in what we can talk about and how we can explain things, but I believe that we need to encounter this God. We need to understand who He is for real, not, not how everybody else or culture or um, our parents taught us, but we need to have a hunger within our own hearts that are driving us uh, into the place of seeking God having a hunger that's not satisfied with just a couple hours on a Sunday morning. And I believe there's opportunities that have great significance in our day. And I believe that's what the Word is today, that there is invitation for the body of Christ, for you and for me. Whether you're in school, whether you work, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're whatever you do, I believe that there's invitation from the heart of God into this generation saying, who will say yes? And it doesn't take a lot to see that because we see a plea and a cry from the heart of God to generation after generation throughout His Word and also throughout Christian history. God is looking for a remnant, a people that would respond and say yes to Him regardless of the cost. 
regardless of what it would take from their own personal dream of how life should look like. And that's sometimes difficult because in America we have so much readily available to us. The American dream is real. It's, it's right there at our fingertips with hard work and going after it. And it can become so blurry, uh, the real pursuit of God, the real innate hunger that we're born with for God to stay alive and well in that, in that type of lifestyle. I know it is for me. Anyone else? That's a difficult thing to cultivate a fiery passion for God uh, in my day and day. I work literally 70 hours. My wife here, she saw me two times this week. My business, this is the busiest time of the year. I worked Monday through Saturday, left at 6 o'clock in the morning, came home at 8 o'clock at night. And it is what it is. It's hard to cultivate that relationship that you know God wants from you. And how do we know it? Because He gave everything for it. He came out of glory into the frailty of a human life and gave all that He is for you. God of creation gave Himself to those who habitually Ran away from him, rejected him because he knew there would be a remnant. And I know that tonight, even this morning, as I started to feel a different direction, I felt the burning in my heart. I felt that there is a burning company of people in the earth all over the place that responding to God in this hour. Because it doesn't take a, a big, wide, prophetic voice and vision of the earth to see that we're in a day in history where we need an inbreaking of God's kingdom like no other time. Where we see even in America, we become desensitized a little bit. I know we can be because of what's promoted so consistently to us. Right? Of what's right and what's wrong. What should be tolerated. Rather than going to the core biblical values that we find here and setting a standard there. And allowing our hearts to be connected and burning with the one that burns for our generation. And I believe that that's something that God wants us to invite us into tonight. And I, and I think it's significant... And we all know it. I don't know how to say it in a way that, you know, it'd be some great revelation to you, but it doesn't, you know, God is in the business of using people that didn't seem like they were the ones that would make monumental moves for God's kingdom in their generation. He used the laymen. He used, he used Paul, who's an educated man. He used all the wide spectrum of people in, in different times and in, in periods of history. Smith Wigglesworth, great revivalist, crazy miracles out of this guy's life. This guy couldn't read till he was like 30 years old. I mean, this guy, he, he just dedicated his life. He had an encounter with God, and everything changed and shifted, and he gave everything. And then all of a sudden, a great wave of revival and awakening came from his life. And that's the invitation. God's saying there's promises and inheritances for this day and this age. Uh, and who's going to respond? Who's going to say yes? I know some of us have heard some of this language from here before because this is a passion of this church. To, to, to put before us invitation for, from God saying, who will say yes to me? And I want to open up. Has anyone got their Bible? Hopefully. There we go. There's going to probably be a lot of ranting. I'll try to stay on track because i got no notes. I just get a Bible. It works, though. It's worked for a long time. Thank you. Show of hands. Has anyone ever heard of Shemua? No. No, it's not the whale. Come on, man. Come on, dude. Shamua, not that guy. Shaphat. No. no. Ego. Hoshia. I don't know, maybe. Palti. Gadil. How about Caleb? Anyone heard of Caleb? No, there's one. Easy name. God's a wise man. Joshua. So we got this story in Numbers. We've got the history of Jewish history taking place, and they, Moses leads them out of the captivity, right? We all know the story very well. They go through a long wilderness period. And in this 40 years, God's looking for the, to cultivate within these people a, stu a level of stewardship because he was giving them an inheritance, and I like to correlate to a story of my nephew in a church I went to in New Hampshire. 
he was turning 12 years old or something, and I saw him over there staring at the soda machine during church, so I gave him 20 bucks. I said, happy birthday, Ingo. Um, you know, figuring he'd go do his mom for change or something. So he went to go stick the 20 bucks in the uh, machine, and I ran out and said, Ian, don't throw the $20 in the machine. You know, you're probably going to lose it. I don't even know. Maybe you get a soda. I don't know. But it'd only be one soda. If you just wait, like an hour, church will be done. You can go 20 sodas with that. And he just looked at me, and I see him think it, but he's 12. So his thought process was, I don't even know what his thought process was. Because I don't even think, I think he was still thinking about the soda. He wasn't even thinking about what I just said. But anyways, he said, no, I want one now. I was like, what? And this thing started to transpire in my mind. You know, this is the same thing with God. He wants to give us valuable gifts. He wants to give us things to steward, but he's looking for maturity and a level of stewardship in our own hearts so that we don't just squander the valuable things of God. And I believe that it's the same, just the same parallel with him that, you know, I want to give him the 20 bucks, but he was willing to waste it on something that was so temporal and just go through it like this. But God's saying, I'm looking for sons, I'm looking for daughters, I'm looking for ones that aren't so willing to give themselves over to the pleasures of this life, the things that have become identified through culture and media as okay, the gray areas, the things that inside you, you know, are not okay with God, the things that you're challenged with. These are the things we were talking about last night. The prunings of God, the discipline of God. You know, I was talking with Christian today, Psalms 119 Bet you haven't heard this from the pulpit in America before. <laughs> David had a revelation. You know what he said? In your faithfulness you afflicted me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your decrees. Oh, in your faithfulness you afflicted me. He understood that there was something within him at some point in time that needed to be dealt with so that he can move on from glory to glory. To go on to the next level of stewardship. And this is the same thing within us. We need to understand the chastisements, the literal marking of sons and daughters, legitimate children. When we go through situations and circumstances and things pressing around us that we don't understand, that we feel the weight and pressure from life, and it, and it seems so difficult to navigate and understand the, the purpose of God in them. But I tell you that there can be an underlying faith and submission to God and understanding that all things will work together for good. If you are truly committing your life to Him, He will bring about a full completion of that situation in your life and develop character and maturity so that you can go on to greater levels of stewardship in His kingdom. I believe that's the heart cry of God. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it said there's a plea into the earth from His heart. That's in our generation. There's a literal plea into the earth from the heart of God saying, who will accept the promises for this day? You know, there was, like it says in Numbers 13, there was 13 people. The amazing thing is they were all leaders of their tribes. They all had the same opportunity in their day to accomplish something for God. They all had the same ability to, to say yes to what God was asking and calling them to do. Two of them responded rightly based off of the promise, not what they were seeing. And that's what we're going to read through here. Two of them, their legacy and, their, and the mark of their life has literally lasted for 5,000 years because they simply believed the promise of God for their generation. Ten of these guys, you were hoping you'll forget their name. And then two of these guys made a mark on history. There is an invitation to my heart and to your heart today. I believe that God's saying, I'm looking to make a mark in history. There is a culmination of the ages that's taking place. I believe that we're in a day where there is going to be an opening up of the kingdom of God in the earth like we have never seen before. I, I sincerely believe within my heart in the deepest places that there is coming a day in our day by the end of my life where we will see a monumental move. I know I keep saying that a... Uh, uh, an opening up of the kingdom of God. The spirit breaking out. Sustained revival. And I believe that the invitation is even here today. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land, which I am to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one of the leaders among them. So, so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the, at the command of the Lord and all of them who were the heads of the sons of Israel. And then they say all their names and fathers and grandfathers. It says, it says, but Moses was called Hosea and the son of Nun. They changed his name to Joshua. 
When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or if they're weak. They already knew because God said that he was giving them that land. The promise of inheritance had been spoken to them since the day they came out of captivity. They actually had no reason. Well, they had, you know, they're like us, I guess. They're funny people. But in reality, because you think, we, we experience God doing crazy things in our life, and we feel so gung-ho and full of faith one day, and then all of a sudden an obstacle hits, and then we're, we're full of uh, doubt and worry and fear again. All right? I guess I'm the only one. But <laughs> this is what happened. He, he's reaffirming them of the promises of God that they've heard the whole time. They've seen the, the water part, which is crazy, right? The biggest army, the great world power of their day was chasing after them. Their leader stood a stick up over the water, and the water opened up. They went through. It's like a cool story, but, you know, it really happened. That's the crazy thing. This is the God that we serve. He does crazy things, and he's looking for people that are crazy enough to do them and to walk them out, right? And uh, so they get through, and you guys know the story, this, 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 the Red Sea smashes on the greatest world power, wipes out the biggest army in the world. In one moment. Whoa, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. God, God reassured over and over by demonstrations of his ability to sustain them, provide for them, and deliver them. Uh, throughout their 40-year process, but they still doubted and complained. They still had a ma- mindset that carried over from, four, from the 400 years of captivity in Egypt. They had this mindset that was taught to them by their parents and their parents' parents and the parents' parents' parents. There was negativity breeded in the heart, and they couldn't see past their own two feet of the situation they were going to. And I know some of us can relate to that. We have been brought up in circles and situations where it's hard to see the way we feel like we're supposed to see. There's a glimmer in there, and we're like, we're not supposed to have faith. That was so difficult because it's almost been trained or ingrained in us since we're little to have a negative spin on stuff. And Caleb and Joshua somehow had an ability to keep the promises of God on the forefront of their life. And I don't think this should be looked at like some magical ability they had or some innate thing that they had. You know, they actually said of Caleb, who's a man with a different spirit, that they cultivated this within their life. Just like it's called out to you, there's promises of revival and awakening for our generation and in our day. I mean, we can hear it throughout so many prophetic voices that are proven in our, in our day that are saying that there is something, especially we live in Boston. I mean, wherever I go, I've been all over the place and I hear people saying, you live in Boston? God's getting ready to move in Boston. I'm like, man, you got more faith than the people in Boston. But it's true, we need a... Break familiarity off our heart and believe God for the words that come from His mouth and say, God, here I am. I don't have much to offer you, but God, here I am. Let me be that one, whatever it looks like, whatever it takes. Here I am. That's it. It's not some major major thing. It's a willingness that starts on the heart level and is backed up by actions when He calls you to speak or move. Amen? When Moses sent them to spell out the land, he said, go up. See if the land is what it's like, whether people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or is it bad? Or how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or are they fortified? How is it in the land? Is it fat or lean? Are the trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. And the time is the time for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness, Zin, and as far as Rio. And as when they, I'm going to skip a lot of words in here just so you know. <laughs> And they got in, when they went out to Negev, they came to Hebron. Boop, 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 boop. Descendants of Anak there, now Hebron was built seven years in Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and they were cut down the branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men with some of the pomegranates and figs. Then the place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from the land from spying it out, At the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told them and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And surprise, surprise, it actually flows with milk and honey. And it has fruit. Like, wow. 
God's been saying that's true. We've never seen that land. We didn't see the outside territory of Egypt for 400 years. You know, my goodness, there is other land out there besides this. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and Amalek living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites. And they're all living in the country of the Canaanites and living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should all by, means, by all means go up and take possession of it, for we surely will overcome it. They just were, you know, it's like I almost don't fault them. Because I believe it was a generational thing that was taking place where they had these mindsets that they, for this whole 40-year process in the desert, they had this habitual mindset of putting a negative spin on everything. Every time they faced a challenge in the desert, just like every time we face challenges, the temptation is there to uh, just lean back into our old man, our own self, our own perspective, our own way of viewing it and seeing it, rather than putting on the lens of God and saying, what's your promise? What are you saying? What is your call for me in this time, God? Surely this is impossible, but God, what are you saying? It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. There's 400,000 people, just so we know. It's a huge group. We should, by all means, go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave up to the sons of Israel bad report of the land, which they spied out, saying, The land through which we had gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great size. And they were like Nephilim, the sons of Enoch, they were there. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight also. So there it is. There's their vision. In our own sight, in the only way we can view it, this looked impossible. Just like, how can God move in this day? Can you, have you seen the divorce rate? Never mind in the world, in the, in the church. Have you seen the abortion rate? Never mind in the world, in the church. Have you seen the, the homosexual statistics that are happening right now? The things that are taking place in our society right now. How can God move? Why would God move? It's so easy to kind of recess into that place. Or just a little old prayer, prayer place. We're just going to do right until the end of the age. And then we're going to get whisked away. And everything is going to be fine. And God's burning for, for those that... Listen, I was a drug addict for 10 years. I OD'd. My life was over. God rescued me out of that. I was the last person that, that anyone expected to ever be standing up here. I couldn't leave my apartment at the end of all this and have a conversation with two people. Never mind stand in front of a group of people and talk. Because I was so bound up. I was the least one that people expected to, to walk with God. I, I, I literally still see friends to this day. And uh, that just mind blown. Amy goes, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear the stories. Because they all say, oh, remember the time? She's like, I don't want to hear it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's, God's looking for us. And he's looking for those. He's all that bondage and all that hurt. It's just a mask for the condition of man. You know, it's digressing. You know, it's, a, uh, it's what happens. But God's burning for humanity. I'm telling you, I believe one of the marks of the last move of God in, in, in our day is going to be a move in the homosexual community. I believe that there's going to be a mass exodus. I believe in my, my place of personal prayer for, for this thing uh, that God has just burned in me, that there is going to be a mass exodus. There's going to be a mark and a sign uh, to not only the, the whole earth, but to the principalities of the age that who God is and who he's capable of. Come on, this is the stuff we need to believe for, that God's going to do the impossible. He's going to rescue addicts out of suicidal patterns and dark places. Amen. So they said that they were small in their own sight. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. I mean, what is their deal? Like, they could have still walked back. I mean, why would they cry? Why would they? I don't understand. They're like, oh, God. There's big guys 20 miles that way. I mean, they literally saw this army wiped out already, but they were just a mess. And they wept that night. 
All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation, which was nothing new. Ten different times they'd already wanted to go back to Egypt to captivity. It's craziness. But it's, you know, it's another thing we can relate to our life where we're in Christianity. There's going to be low moments where we feel like everything is in the fan. And, and you look back at your, maybe if you have like this difference, like I do. But you look back at your old life and you say, was it really all that bad back there? Was it really all that bad with my old friends? Man, I feel like I had more legions from my old friends than I do these people. Yeah, look at this hypocrisy. Look at this. You know, sometimes it's easy to go there. Right? Just like these people. And they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. What would we have died in the land? Would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? He has told them so many times his promise of inheritance for that land. And that's all they can think about. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Just madness. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly and the congregations of the sons of Israel. Joshua and the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation of all the sons of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land. It's amazing to me. He didn't even deny. He wasn't trying to put some rosy uh, view on this land. He said, you know, I don't care. All those huge people are there. All that fortified cities are there. All that obstacle is there. But that's, that's not the point. God said he will give us the land. This is the promise and inheritance for us. What are we thinking? What are we doing? Now, if God is still pleased with us after all this craziness, we should take the land. It's a good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into that land and give it to us. A land which does flow with milk and honey. Again, focused on the promise. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. I mean, this was the, this was, this was the uh, resolve in Caleb's heart. He would rather, I mean, it's not after he said that they were angry. He saw these people. They were wailing. They were going crazy. 400,000. And there was four people, Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua, that were standing, standing on the promises of God for that land. But they still stood. He said, I'd rather not go. I'd rather die here than go back there. I'd rather die in pursuit of the promise. I'd rather give my life over and waste it on the pursuit of what God's inviting me into rather than waste it on some... American dream thing. On some big grandiose picture I have of like the husband, the wife, and all the, the perfect life out there. The Lord said to Moses, how long will the people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst, I will smite with them the pestilence and dispose them, and I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. Again, Moses, the second time, I remember Darrell back when they preached about Moses standing in the gap as an intercessor. And he was, he was proposed by God at that point too, saying, I will do this all over again through your line, Moses. But Moses, it was almost, I don't know if it was a test, but Moses looked beyond himself and his own glory and legacy that could have happened. He said, but Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for by your strength you brought up this people from the midst, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard you, O Lord, in the midst of the people. For you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye while your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, in a pillar of fire by night. And I just, I just all morning been feeling this same plea of recommitment, of maybe one time or a period, or maybe this is the first time where you literally feel a burning, you feel a fire, something starting to resonate and saying, there is more than this. There is more than this everyday monotonous struggle that I go through. There is more than just pursuing a husband my whole life. There is more than just longing for a wife my whole life. There is more than having that perfect job, that perfect anything that you have out there as an idol, right? There's got to be more, God. 
If you're the God that David saw with the 10,000s upon 10,000s, God, this life truly is short. This life is a, is a drop in a bucket compared to eternity. We're going to stand before you. We're going to take an account. You know if I'm preaching, I'm going to wrap that in there somewhere. <laughs> Every time I preach. It just comes around. I don't even mean to. But the truth is, we will stand before him. <laughs> Listen, you're not going to get a perfect message from me. So, <laughs> Expectations. Oh, man. Jesus. But the truth is, these type of invitations that are portrayed to my heart and to our hearts will be taken to account on it. There will be a day where we will, be, we will reckon for these things. There's not some uh, self-effort thing to get and to obtain. There's a posture in the heart that's continually played out day after day in the secret place, the place of serving people around you. Daryl says, I have a hard time giving. That guy is one of the most giving people I know. He literally would give his shirt off his back. I remember when me and Amy uh, first branched out and started this company, we had no food, and there's Daryl and Bethany at our doorstep with bags of groceries. If any of you guys know this guy, this is just a little side note, bless you guys. This guy is literally one of the people that is here as a pastor and director of this ministry. Here, he's the one setting up. You won't find him trying to replace himself. He's trying to place the guys around him. I mean, that's the leadership that's here. But that's what God's looking for in a company, and there will. You know, you can say yes, you can say no, you can have waves. You can be caught by the tide or you can bring the tide. Uh, it's going to happen. There always is going to be a remnant. There always have been. God will have a people and there will be a move. His will will be accomplished. Culminations of the ages is coming to a head. I really believe that. I believe that we're coming to a moment in history where one or two things has to happen. And I believe that God is a God. Mercy will triumph over judgment. I believe He will find a people in the gap who are crying out for the mercy of God to be displayed to the most undeserving because it was displayed to us. Come on, that's what we stand for as a body here. We stand for as a church. God, break in. Let your sovereignty and your heart be made known. Second Chronicles, you know, Jeremiah was uh, prophesying and he was saying... We'll end with this here. This is what we don't want to be. This is the other side of it. Last chapter of Second Chronicles. Zedekiah was 21 years old and he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did, humble him. he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke for the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made and sworn allegiance by God. But he stiffened his neck, hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests and the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they defiled the house of the Lord, which they had been sanctified in Jerusalem. This is the same thing that's happening in our day, where there is so much mixture taking place in the body of Christ, so much false tolerance that's taking place under the guise of not wanting to step on people's toes or offend. Somehow our silence being the persuading voice in their heart to know Jesus, which I just don't understand. All the officials, all the priests, it was starting in the church. It says, Then the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people in his dwelling place. This is the heart of God. He's a merciful God. This is what we hear. The Lewingles, the, the prophetic voices in the earth that are calling people out of something and into something. Ones that literally shift and change and align uh, seasons in human history. He said, the Lord sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his dwelling place, but they continually mocked the messengers of God. And, and I hear it. I mean, it doesn't take long research to find what people's opinions are of, the, of, the, of, of a clear word from God. They mocked the messengers of God, despised his words. They scoffed at the prophets. And this is the church, right? The priests and the people despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no other remedy. And then he put judgment on them. But the judgment wasn't to wipe his people out. It was to purge and discipline. Right? So he tries compassion, mercy, and that's what's happening here. I even believe now that's what happens with prophetic voices all over the place. God's giving invitation out of something and into something. 
And there's an opportunity to respond to the compassion of God where he's pleading with a generation. But there will come a day where there will be a reckoning when there's no remedy left in the compassion. And that might not settle right with some, but that's the reality of, of, of what will happen. And I just want to be, and I know that we're being, and I know that I, I, that's why we've married our hearts here. This is a company of people that have given themselves to this vision. To saying, God, there's got to be more in our day. There's got to be more in our generation. We want to be the ones that are found uh, before you, seeking you, revealing you, showing you in every situation in life. And I believe that tonight he wants to mark hearts anew, fresh. Fresh vision, fresh perspective in this. Fresh zeal and grace to be that example of Christ in your workplace. We've got time for one more time, is it? This always happens. I get through it quick. Uh, do I want to share? Um, just a practical, we were going to share it last night, a testimony of just practical application. So I own a service company. We, we, we build chimneys, fix them, all that type of stuff. And um, so we're in our house. This is years ago when I first started with another company. And we walked in this house, and this lady, kind of, she's like mid-40s probably, limps to the door. And the first words out of her mouth when I knock on the door, she says, oh, I'm so sore. My, my hip is killing me, and I feel so tired. And I was just like, I'm sorry to hear that. And we walk in. It's kind of, it was a little awkward, but she was just in pain. And she shows us the fireplace. Um, so we're looking at the fireplace. I started just getting this, you know, I'm going to talk to her, see what's going on. So I talked to her. She says she has this uh, chronic fa fatigue disorder and an issue with her hip. Um, and it was, and he, she couldn't leave the house because if she caught a cold or anything like that, it would, it would, just, it would, it would wreck her immune system or something like that. We're talking seven years ago, so I'm trying to recall as best I can. Anyways, I said, listen, do you mind me? And I felt like there was something going on with, in the spirit for her not lining up with Jesus. <laughs> There's just some funky environment in her house. So I was like, uh, hey, do you mind me asking what your, what your beliefs are? And she knew instantly what I was talking about. She said, yeah, you're probably going to laugh. And I said, what's that? She said, you know, I came in with my dead relatives um, for healing. I'm like thinking, that working? That's working. <laughs> and I don't mean to say it like, but come on, think about it. I mean, you're communing with your dead relatives for healing, and it's getting worse and worse. Okay, so I got some good news for you. <laughs> so anyways, I said, wow, wow, that's interesting. How'd that come about? Well, my grandmother died. You know, she was a very religious person. And I, and I talked to her, and she talks back to me, and I see her shadows, all this stuff. I said, wow, it's interesting. And I said, you know what I believe? She's like, what? I said, I believe in Jesus. And she said, she, I just knew. She just had a look. She knew what was going on. She had been in this position or something in the past. And she said, oh, yeah, my, my grandmother or my mother, whoever she was praying to, believe in Jesus. She used to tell me about Jesus in the 60s all the time. I said, well, God can heal you from, from this. I said, it might sound crazy to you, but God can literally, right now, he can heal you from this chronic fatigue disorder in your hip, hip pain. And that was a little bit of a shock to her. Someone starts pulling in the driveway. It's her husband. And uh, she starts getting frantic. And she does not want him to know we're talking about Christianity. I'm like, she's like, listen, please don't say anything about Christianity when he walks in. So he walks in right after she says that. She's like, give me the eye. Like, this is the most awkward situation I've ever been in. I just want to be like, Jesus. <laughs> so anyways, I said, here's a proposal for the work. I'm working for another company at the time. I said, here's a proposal for the work. And, uh, you know, call the office if you want to do it. It was like a one-day job or something. So I leave. I get in my truck, and I'm leaving, and I always... At the time, I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit. I thought it was my flesh, of course. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to fast 14 days for her. I was like, and I got unsaved family members, Lord, you know, like, yikes. I'm like, you know what, Lord, confirm this to me. <laughs> if this is you, I'm willing. I literally said it right there. I'm willing. Confirm it to me. I will fast food for her for 14 days. By the end of today, confirm it to me. I just want to know what you before I do it, of course. So that night, my sister is like a missionary in Brazil. She's at my mom's house talking with a small group of people. And uh, her friend Joe, Joe Robinson, some of you guys might know him, he, he was there. And the Sunday before, he literally in church says to me, Noah, I got a word for you. I said, all right. 
And then he puts his hand on me and he goes, ah, no, I don't. I said, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude, come up with something like, you know, bless me. And uh, anyways, I go to the, my sister's thing. This is a week following, whatever, the, that same night as I was at the lady's house. And uh, he's sitting there, and he's staring at me. I know. I'm thinking, oh, here comes that word. And so far removed. I'm thinking I'm scot-free. It's 1030. I'm not having to fast for 14 days to this lady. <laughs> and uh, he's giving me the eye. And I'm thinking, and this kid has been, we've, we have a relationship where we have some, you know, this type of relationship. So, and... Uh, you know, he's a real brother, and uh, he says to me, it's, it's literally like 11 o'clock at night, and he says to me, no, I have, I'm supposed to give you that word now. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? Not even thinking about that. And he goes, the Lord's calling you to an extended fast, and he wanted me to confirm it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, man, come on. Actually, I wasn't like, come on. I was so excited. I was like, oh, God, whoa, you're getting ready to do something. Like, whoa, come on. Come on, right? Come on. Seriously, so God, God intervened in the big scheme of things and, and actually spoke, so I was excited. So I went into work the next morning, and I uh, went home, told my wife, and uh, went to work the next morning and went in to, to my boss. And uh, I said, listen, I want the company needs to be met every morning. We pray for an hour. And I said, uh, I want us to pray in the morning for one of the customers. And um, he's like, oh, she just called this morning. We're going back to do that job. So I'm like, oh, my God. I went in there. I'm like, when are we going back? 14 days to the day. I was like, whoa, man. This is crazy. I'm like, oh, my goodness. God, this is awesome. Like, whoa. I'm thinking this is going to be one of those, you know, I've had fasts that are, like, full of grace. It's, like, kind of mind-blowing. You know, it's like you feel like you're supposed to be weak or whatever. And then times where I fasted for one day and I want to kill myself, you know. So, but I was like, whoa, God, this is going to be rose petal. Like, I'm going to, this has got to be full of grace. Like, so we start praying and we're like a bunch of, my boss was like this Harley Davidson, former biker gang dude, tats all up, always wore a 45 in church. He'd look over, he'd be worshiping his hands up, yeah, 45. Yes, he knows. You'd be scared enough just looking at him like, do you really need a gun, man? Like, anyways. So we're roaring in prayer for this lady. We're feeling faith. And uh, so a couple days in, my son Elijah was a baby at the time. And we're living in Manchester. And he started waking up with something he never had before, something like a night terror. You guys know what that is? Yeah, kids. You know, it's almost embarrassing to say. I probably shouldn't say if I'm going to. Like, it got so frustrating because he wouldn't snap out of it. I'd wake him up. He'd be like, come on, dude. What's going on? What's going on? Hugging him, doing everything. Like, I'm going to spank your bum. Like, come on. But together, this is going on for an hour. What is going on? But he was like, there was terror on him. Like, he's petrified. And I'm um, like, what is going on? So the first night, we pray for him. Finally calms down. This happens like six, seven nights, like in a row. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? I start getting so frustrated. I'm like, this stupid fast. I knew there was war going on over this lady's life. And uh, I'm glad you find that funny. Yeah. And uh, so there was some serious war. But I wasn't excited anymore. I was like, ah, really putting authority in my house, saying this is not happening. Because I wasn't getting sick. My wife literally was driving down the road at that same time when my son was happening. And she pulled over. She had to literally get picked up. She, was, she wasn't pregnant. She was, she was sick. She couldn't move. She had to get taken to the hospital. This whole deal. It was like all this chaos happening. There was crazy dreams happening between me and Amy and the baby. Anyways, there was just this chaos. So I'm with Amy. And... The final night, that couple nights before we're going to this lady's house, um, it happens. And I'm so frustrated. I'm like, you know, God, if this is supposed to happen, why isn't it affecting me? Like, why am I not getting sick? Why am I not going through this night terror thing? Like, what's happening? I was really upset. And um, Amy just starts praying over me. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to end this fast. You know, this is not fair. You know, this is not fair that this is happening. And I knew, I just knew inside, if I ended the fast, it would stop. And, she, you know, God bless her. She puts her hand on my back, and she starts singing this Jason Upton song, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. She's like, Noah, I'm feeling, because she was real distraught, too. It was a tough time. She's like, Noah, I feel like we've got this. You need to finish strong two days. And I was like, Phew. All right, let's do it. If I had the backing of my family, the ones that were actually going through hell. Um, so she sang that song over me, and I was just like, that's great. I went in to prayer the next morning. I said, guys, we need to pray. Elijah again had that episode. 
um, whatever, this is, I'm so sick of this. My boss puts his hands like four times the size of my hand. He's like, douche. <laughs> Anointing or I don't know. And uh, puts his hand on me. He's like, I got a song coming to mind. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I'm like, yeah, come on. So again, so I was like, whoa. I said, dude, that's crazy. Amy was, I wasn't going to tell you, but Amy saying that last night. So I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this thing. So we get to our house. I know this is taking forever, but we get to the house, and um, I'm all amped up. And, um, you know, but I'm, like, setting my safety platforms, like, in case God didn't do anything, you know, like, I mean, I'm like, you know, either way, sometimes you're fast, you won't even see the, I'm telling the kid with me as a new believer, I'm like, you won't even see the, <laughs> the outcome sometimes, you know, but, but we're believing, we're, we're believing, man, you know, we're going to believe that God's going to do something great, and he's like, yeah, he thinks I'm nuts, he's like, every day, he's like, doesn't this look good to you, he's like, eating right in front of me, like, yeah, it does, thanks a lot, man, uh, <laughs> And so we get to this lady's house, and he's watching. He's like three months saved. He just started going to church. And um, he's watching the whole time. We get there. She literally says to me, checks on the table. When you're done, you guys can just lock the door and go. I am so sick today. She walks upstairs. I didn't have a word to say to her. So I was like, oh, man, God, this is not going to end this way. So we do the job. I'm taking my sweet time, hoping she's going to come back downstairs. And um, I said, there's no way. I kind of resolved in my heart. If I see it, there's no way I'm going to allow an opportunity to pass up to talk to this lady about this. So anyways, sure enough, I should have known, right when we wrapped up, I'm writing the paperwork up, she comes walking down to get a drink of water. She looks miserable. She's irritated. She doesn't want to talk. I said, hey, how you doing? She like looks at me. Anyway, she's, she's uh, sh- I'm so sore. I can't move. I, I, I'm so sick of this. I said, you know, Denise, this is going to sound weird to you. And she's like, what's that? I said, for the last 14 days, I've been fasting for you. What the heck? She knew what fasting was. What? Why would you do that? And I said, listen, because when I got in my car, I felt like God was saying he loves you so much that he wanted a complete stranger to show his love to you so that you knew how much he loved you. Because you've seen the love of God from your family members, but he wants to show you in a different way. And instead of being kind of irritated about that, kind of invading personal space, she started crying. And I said, listen, God wants to heal you right now from your chronic fatigue disorder and from your hip. And I believe he wants to heal you, but he wants to know you even more than that. And um, I said, I don't have a special prayer for you, but I believe that we feel in his presence. Mike, you know, I just want you to pray and talk to God. And she's... It was, it was one of the most incredible times in my life. But she said she literally just starts crying out to God. And the first thing out of her mouth without having to be let in, she's repenting to God for how she treated her grandmother, her parents, all rejecting God for the last 20 years when she knew he was calling them. And I just have my head. I mean, the presence of God came so strong. This kid literally almost fell in her china cabinet. He said, I felt, I felt God's presence in church before, but I've never felt what I felt in that room. I literally had my head on the table and I was going, it was like she was getting delivered she was like literally in front of us getting delivered and she goes through this whole thing and then she starts wrapping up and I just point her and I say right now we bind this whatever we went through three or four very specific things for her and she screamed it out man I'm telling you her countenance her face changed right in front of us Um, she was all flushed out color came back to the point her son came down he was so blown away because he hadn't seen her like that in so long actually no she's like she gave her life. She's like, I feel Jesus so strong. I always thought this was just a good idea or whatever she said, you know, some religious belief. And she's like, I need to go get my son. And she runs upstairs, and it was awesome because the first fruit of her new life with Christ was she needed to share it with somebody. Gets her son. He comes down. He's skeptical. He's up playing Xbox. Like, leave me alone, Mom. Like, try to play Xbox. Um, but she literally, she's like, I literally can't, I cannot believe the energy. Anyways, we get her Bible. We come back. She's like completely healed. She's going out. No more hip pain. I mean, it was powerful. It all stemmed from, you know, I just feel lucky to be a part of something like that, right? That's just crazy. It all stems from those little opportunities where you have a little prick. That's the whole point of the story is that God, throughout your day, is going to give you little pricks, not 
every time you're going to have this huge, crazy uh, thing happen. I know I don't, but it gives you hope and faith for those moments where you see when you open your mouth, it affects the heart. It goes beyond the intellectual ascent to God, and it goes to the heart level and calls forth destiny out of them, that they're a child of God. That's what God wants to do with all of us here. That's it, man. You know what this room could do? Surrender to God in your generation, in your school. Come on. If this is the God, if He's really who He says He is, if we really believe what this Bible says, there's got to be so much more for us to walk in. Right? Come on. I'm feeling some faith right now. I want to pray for people. Amen. I'd love if Daryl could play some guitar. Did you want to share something? Um, just on the tail of what he was sharing, you know, I felt as he was speaking that it's time for the people of God to make room for the supernatural. You know, if you look in Scripture throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find that there was a lack of knowledge. There was a lack of experiential knowledge the people of God had with the power of God. And so in that, you see throughout church history that they started rationalizing it away through intellect. Now, intellect is good, right? But we know that God wants our head to marry our heart. And it's not just this thing being the driving force behind interpreting this thing, but it's this thing also interpreting. The intellect filtering the Word of God through the things of the Spirit. I just felt as he was speaking that we're to make room as a company, as a church, uh, for the supernatural. It's so easy because we often find ourselves in church settings not experiencing the supernatural effects of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we just rationalize it away to the point where we even have arguments, theological arguments over if it even exists today. And just even Noah's testimony. I'm like, what a remarkable testimony of the power of God breaking in to a woman who is demonically physically oppressed, right? And I'm just, I'm just thinking upon certain scriptures where even in Jesus' day where he confronted the Pharisees and said, listen guys, you're not mindful of scripture and you're not knowledgeable of the power of God. And you think about Habakkuk 2.14, is it? Where in the last days Habakkuk prophesies the knowledge of the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the earth. I think that's what it says. Paraphrasing. And, and Jesus confronting the Samaritan woman, saying, You're, you, you don't know what you worship. Again, you see this connection to knowledge. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily confronting the things of the Spirit. He's con- he was confronting the mind and its ability to perceive and to be knowledgeable of. Is this making sense? I fear that we're living much in these days where we ourselves are not knowledgeable about the power of God. But we're not even willing in some cases to make room for the power of God. You know, I'll just be honest. We were at the second part of worship and I felt, man, there was, a, there was some good stuff on that spirit breakout. And of course, all of a sudden you have the mic feeding back and you're like, oh God, I know you want to do something. But even if he doesn't, I want to be a person that makes room for it. I want to make room for it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of making room and failing. I'm not afraid, Noah, of praying for a woman who's demonically oppressed, who's physically oppressed, and it failing. I'm more fearful, Noah, if I don't take the chance. See, if there's no risk involved, there's no faith. And I just, listen, I want to be a church. I want to be a people who take great risk. You can't help but read this book and say, God, you have great and wonderful things for the church today. And so I want to make room for the power of God. I want to make room in my heart. I don't want to be somebody who allows my brain to puff up itself against what God wants me to experience through His Spirit. See, intellectualism will fail, bro. 
haughty words, philosophy will fail. And, and, but that's what we fill it in with. If we can't experience the power of God, we'll start to build high and lofty explanations on why we don't experience it or why it doesn't exist. Rather than moving in faith, fasting 14 days, not knowing what the heck's going to happen, and all of a sudden God opens up a supernatural door. What if God is giving us these opportunities throughout our days? I believe He is. He's giving us opportunities to move in faith. And friend, who cares if you fail in it? Take the step. I just I feel we're to make room as a community for the supernatural. Come on. I didn't sign up to follow Jesus just to have some theological belief about Him. I didn't sign up for Jesus just to have some good philosophy on, 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 on Him. I, I signed up for Jesus because I was transformed by Jesus. I myself have the testimony of a man who was enslaved to sin. And you know what? It wasn't words that delivered me. It wasn't somebody preaching at me that delivered me. It was the power of God. Therefore, from that moment, I have become wrecked by that power that encountered me. And I have to believe, I have to believe that the same power that delivered a drug addict, the same power that delivered an atheist, uh, 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 an alcoholic, is still available today to deliver us now. Not just us, but a world. See, words will fail, friend. But the kingdom of God won't. Where, where are we? Man, I want to display the kingdom of God. Amen? No. I just had a little thought here pop on me about this lady. It's kind of cool. Um, you know, she was inviting a fatigue. So we can relate to spiritual fatigue, right? There's moments in our life where we feel like we've even heard this message. We've run after it. We've had zeal. We've had moments or even seasons, extended times of grace to operate and cooperate with God and partner with His heart in, in doing things. And I believe it's the communion with the old man, like she was communing with the dead relatives. It's communing with the old man, the, old, the dead man within us that was crucified at the cross that, that creates the fatigue. The same fatigue she had, it's a representation of the body of Christ where the spiritual fatigue happens in the communion with the flesh where we're giving in to our own wants, our own de desires, our own compromises. It's, that's what breeds fatigue. And if you're feeling fatigue today, I believe Come on, we, we feel fatigue. A lot of times it has to do with disconnecting from God and connecting with your old man. And I believe like, just like it affected that chronic fatigue disorder affected her hip and her walking, it also affects the way we walk, the way we do our life. And I just believe she was literally a representation of what the body of Christ is being invited into and having freedom and deliverance and excitement and as a result going out into the world and making known Jesus to, to everybody around us. So let's all stand up here. I have faith. There's something moving up here. I believe that God really wants to mark hearts in a fresh way here today. I believe that it's no coincidence that He strung me along and thinking I was going to bring a different message and then drop this and re-remind me of this message here this morning. I believe that God has a plan. I believe that we're His children. Why not would He lead us into the fullness of His intentions for us? Why not would He give us opportunity to operate with Him? He's calling you. I know when you hear those words, you might think about all the weakness and frailty or sin that maybe nobody else knows about. Comes to the forefront. How could He use me? I tell you, it starts here. It starts in this place of recognizing, identifying the need for Jesus to come and to heal, to restore, and then send you out. It starts here. Just a simple response. This is who God is. He's proven to be a God of redemption. He's proven to be a God that restores and redeems time and people. The promises of God over your life, the prophetic inheritance over your life, not only for this generation, but for you individually, have not been forfeited. I believe some need to hear that even here tonight, that you feel like certain patterns in your life has caused you to forfeit what God has for you. But I want to tell you that God will respond as you respond. God will restore. He will make a testimony out of your life that will affect the people around you. 
So I just want to encourage you in a simple way. Let's come up if you want some prayer. But I'm going to, I want prayer. I want to just, as a company of people, I want to respond to God and say, God, let your eyes settle on Boston. God, let your eyes settle on the people here that are hungry for a move of your kingdom, God. We want you, Jesus. Whatever it looks like. Like Daryl said, God, break us out of the box of familiarity of what we can control and what we can understand and comprehend. God, open up the spirit realm upon this company of people. I pray even now as hearts respond to you that, God, you would mark their hearts, God. That you would activate a season of grace and clarity upon their minds. Places where adjustments need to be happening. I, I just feel that like confusion over certain decisions. God's just going to touch you today and He's going to bring clarity. Where you're saying, is it yes or no, left or right? Is it this person or is it not? Number one, I think underneath the chaos, He's speaking to you already. Number two, I believe that He's going to release some of the chaotic uh, atmosphere around your mind and perception so that you can clearly identify what His will is. You are the one He's speaking to right now.